o'clock, 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Tuesday night. Rainy, miserable, cold Tuesday night. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you had, you would have seen the two stories that I put out there before anyone last night and a video of a father... Uh, an adult showing up at North Meg High School, allegedly what looks to be wielding a knife, upset at the people that were uh, students that were allegedly bullying his child. So all that's out there. That's why I always tell you, follow me at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news. All right. So today is Tuesday. It's the busiest travel time of the year. It's not Thanksgiving, excuse me, it's not Christmas or New Year's or or July 4th or Labor Day or Memorial Day. Thanksgiving is the busiest time of the year, especially for air travel, I should say. So joining us now from the WBT newsroom is Scott Hamilton, who spent last week, and you know, I didn't have a show uh, yesterday, so I thought today would be a perfect time to talk about it since the travel really starts today. And so, Scott, talk to me about the whole situation with traveling at the airport, because I know you were there last week. You know, when, whenever this time of year happens and we're talking about air travel Thanksgiving, I think about, uh, was it planes, trains, and automobiles? Yep. And, and, it, and it really is true. You know, you're right, 100%. I mean, Thanksgiving travel, dude, is it's insane. It is it is off the, off the wheels. Uh, we're in the middle of a really crazy 12-day stretch. It goes back to last Thursday and uh, goes through the Monday after Thanksgiving. Busiest days, Brett. Here you go. Almost like the David Letterman countdown. The busiest travel day of the year will be Sunday. Mm. The Sunday after Thanksgiving. It goes Sunday, Monday, Friday, today. Those are your top four, and then Saturday uh, coming in at number five. Looking at 900,000 people to come through the Charlotte airport during this uh, this 12-day stretch. And it's, and it's really notable, Brett, because not only is it 14% above last year, which was a, a big year, it's 9% more than 2019, the year. Uh, but the before time, Pre-COVID, before the pandemic, yeah. Yeah. so so that that's a lot of gro- that's a lot of growth, brother, and they're they're battening down the hatches, getting ready at the airport. Yeah, I remember last year we there was a story about how a lot of the airports were starting to panic because they didn't know if they had enough you know workers in place and everything to handle the amount of crush, and they actually wound up with more travelers than they had actually anticipated last year. So the fact that they're expecting even more this year, that speaks volumes. It's gotten to the point where I'm of two minds, Brett. First of all, it is what it is, man. You know you're going to have a crappy time when you travel. You know it. When you fly, it's not going to be like hopping in your car, turning on the engine, turning on WBT, breaking with Brett Jensen, and and just cruising on down the road pretty much at your own pace. You're going to have stuff happen. So just just deal with it. And they're stressing that. Pack your patience. Be nice. Uh, Will Ferrell, yeah, that's his name. And we talked about having names of, that belonged actually to other people. He, he's uh, with CMPD's uh, travel division. He was actually, he actually said, be nice. Just be nice. He says that everybody's trying to get somewhere and it's going to happen a lot easier if everybody just chills out. But, but also this, Brett, I mean, if I'm, if I'm running an airport, if I'm running an airline, I know I have a finite amount of employees. I'm just going to do the best I can. 
and pray that the other side, as we just now discussed, that they are patient and that they are understanding, at least to the best of their abilities, because we got to keep our cool, too. And we're not going to be able to get people out of here as fast as they want. We're not going to be able to get them out of here as fast as we want. But it is what it is, and let's just make the best of it, man. I mean, travel's, travel sucks, dude. Stay home and watch football. Yeah, well, there's a lot of truth in that statement. Talk with Scott Hamilton from our WBT Newsroom. When you went to the airport last week, what was the airport saying? The usual stuff. Reserve your parking spot. So people show forget that. Three. No, that's very important. Let, let's talk about yeah. that for a second because I was actually talking about that with Garrison this morning in the newsroom, and I think you were in there maybe working as well. But like people forget you need to reserve a, tr- a parking spot now. They they encourage it. I mean, there are still other lots there if you don't rec- if you don't reserve a spot. You can get a spot. Are you going to get a good spot? No, you're probably going to be out in Monroe or Gastonia or somewhere. It'll seem like you'll have to park so far away. But if you want to get a spot where you don't have to haul your stuff 8,000 yards, you better reserve it. And, and, it's, and it's not that hard, Brett. You go to the app. Uh, they got you know they got the Charlotte Airport app. You can go to parkclt.com. Put in your credit card information, reserve you an app, and you roll right in. Let me and, tell you and it's actually pretty I've cool. I've said this on air for a few years now, and it's not a promotion, but I've said it on Twitter. I've said it everywhere. If you even travel twice a year, download the free CLT Airport app. It is a godsend. It tells you what security lines are the slowest and the fastest. It gives you the wait times. It tells you what parking decks are full. It tells you if there are like it is flight delays, whatever. It is awesome. So you get there and you go, okay, what security gate is moving the fastest right now? Boom, let's go to gate E or gate D as opposed to gate A. Like and it tells you what parking lots are full up. You can make your reservations. I tell people all the time that CLT Airport app is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of all that, Brett. I mean, I, if I'm traveling, I've got the app where I can check in the night before and and don't have to worry about anything other than showing up at security and make sure I take my shoes off, put them in the little bin, and this, that, and the other. I mean, the, the days of going and checking in and getting your ticket and all this, that, and the other, I mean, that's gone the way of the dodo bird. I am all for these technological advances. And, and kudos, kudos to the airports, kudos to the airlines. For, for trying to make this as uh, 21st century as possible with, with all these uh, innovations with the apps and, and this, that, and the other. But at the, at the end of the day, though, man, it, the process is still the same. You get there, you drop your bag, you go through security, you plan on whatever happening in security happening. I mean, there's always that chance that you're selected randomly for a pat-down. Just be cool with it. And uh, it, there are worse things. There are worse things. I, traveling stinks. It's not great. But it, but it could always be much worse. It could always be much worse. I mean, you you remember, Brett, when we were doing sports, the, the days after 9-11, how things went from zero to 60, and then they stayed at about 80 miles an hour for a couple of years. It seemed like everywhere I went, I was that I was that guy that was getting patted down. No, no I totally get that. Anything else that the airport said? Uh, no. No, okay. just some updates on the renovation, things like that. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of work out there. They've added, gosh, I guess about ninety thousand square feet yep. to um, the terminal the terminal lobby expansion project they got going over on the east side. Uh, other than that, everybody just keep your cool, and you'll get to where you're going. Pretty good words, pretty much every day of the week, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Scott, really appreciate you doing that tonight, bud, and, and uh, talking about all the traveling. And my traveling will consist of driving from Charlotte to Gastonia. That's my travel. 
you know how to get there, right? You need uh, Uber or yes, GPS? Uh, or? You know, God invented Google Maps for a reason. Yes. <laughs> you the man. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, Scott. All right, Howdy when pal. we come back, let's get into a couple other things, including today is a one-year anniversary, not a happy anniversary, as well as things going on with the Carolina Panthers. A guy I haven't talked to you guys about that in a while, so we'll get into that as well. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock tonight, 704-570-1110. There are a couple of anniversaries, and one we're going to get into tomorrow uh, pretty much in depth for a while because tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of something also that occurred in Charlotte. But this is another anniversary of something involving um, you know, a, a situation that has confounded people, that has really made people unsure of everything that's going on like people think they know but there's not enough ways to prove things yet and so it's just a a fascinating story and it's a sad story involving Madeline Kojikari and her disappearance and the Cornelius police chief talked about this and this is earlier today on WBTV somehow I'm praying for a miracle that we will find her again again a missing persons case filled with mystery. Tomorrow marks one year since Madalena Kojakari was last seen alive. No one has seen this 12-year-old from Cornelia since she got off her school bus on November 21st, 2022. WBTV has been following this story all year, and still tonight, no one knows where she might be or who's responsible for her disappearance. WBTV anchor Alex Giles spoke one-on-one with the Cornelius police chief about the massive effort to find Madalena. It's a conversation you'll only see on WBTV. To Cornelius Police Chief David Baucom, investigating the disappearance of Madalena Kojikari is more than just work. Just talking about the case makes him emotional. Our motivation is Madalena. We want to find her. For a year now, he and his officers have been trying to find this young girl. This video from November 21st, 2022 has been broadcast all over. It shows then 11-year-old Madalena getting off of a school bus. It was two days before she disappeared. As a father, what do you think when, when you see that video and know that that may be the last time she's seen by a lot of people? It's heartbreaking looking back at the video. You know, she looks so innocent getting off the school bus, going home just like any other 11-year-old kid would be doing. And, you know, and then three or four weeks later, that's when our investigation began. According to official records, a school resource officer visited the home in Cornelius where Madalena had been living on December 12th. Records show she hadn't been to school in weeks. On December 14th, Madalena's mother, Diana, reported her missing. The next day, the Cornelius Police Department began its investigation into the little girl's disappearance. On December 17th, Diana Kojikari and Madalena's stepfather, Christopher Palmiter, were charged for failing to report Madalena missing in a timely manner. How often is it that you guys have to charge someone for failing to report someone missing? Well, this is the first time that I'm aware that we've ever charged uh, anyone with this, much less a, a parent. Then in January of 2023, a grand jury indicted Palmiter and Diana Kojikari. In March, unsealed warrants showed that Diana Kojikari had requested a family member 
smuggle her and her daughter away from their home in Cornelius. A relative stated that Diana Kojikari had told him that she was in a bad relationship with Palmer and wanted a divorce. On April 11th, community members gathered in Cornelius to celebrate Madalena's 12th birthday. As a community for us to, get, to stay together, come together and keep her um, in our thoughts and prayers um, is a great thing. In July, unsealed search warrants noted that Madalena's mother floated a theory that Madalena was given away for money. Do you guys have any reason to believe that Madalena could have been sold? Uh, I can't comment on that. In August, Diana Kojikari pleaded not guilty to a charge of failing to report her daughter missing. Then on the 18th, Christopher Palmer bonded out of jail after his bond was reduced. He too pleaded not guilty to a charge of failing to report Madalena missing. We tried to speak with Palmer outside of the county jail and outside of his home. No comment. As the community marks the one-year anniversary of Madalena's disappearance, investigators are still hard at work. Chief Balkum tells me his department has received hundreds of tips about Madalena and his detectives have spent thousands of hours investigating the little girl's disappearance. It is difficult because the, the public wants details and, and we just can't share those details. You know, we just want the public to know that we're doing everything we can to find her and we will continue to do that. Is there any reason to believe that you guys are close to a resolution in this case? Uh, I believe we are because I believe we're going to find Madalena. So it's just a matter of time. The information is there. Someone knows something. Someone saw something. And they've either told us and we haven't uncovered it yet or they just haven't shared it with us. But, but I believe that we're going to find her. Reporting in Cornelius, Alex Giles, WBTV, on your side. Alex, thank you. Meanwhile, members of the Cornelius community and police department plan to gather to show support for Madalena. They're planning to meet tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at Smithville Park in Cornelius. Next at 6, a former social worker. All right, so that is the story that I wanted you guys to hear, you know, the Madalena Kojikari situation. I mean, it's just a wild, a lot of twists and turns and, you know, just like not sure what is going on up there and then everything involving the mom and then the dad and Rome and I think it was what is it Romania that I think they're like it's just a whole wild no I'm sorry Moldova that's where it is Moldova like it's just a whole wild and just horrifically sad situation and again they always say if anyone has any information about the Madalena Kojikari you know just contact the Cornelius Police Department or the FBI and all the numbers are out there, and you'll be able to do it. Um, you know, it, it's uh, they're planning a you know the gathering tonight in Cornelius in the rain, in the cold rain, and that started. It was scheduled to start at six thirty, and I would assume they still ha held it just because it's uh, it is the one year anniversary. And then tomorrow, like I said, there's another one year anniversary that's equally as tragic that we're going to go into great detail tomorrow because I actually had a pretty prominent role in this, as it turned out. I didn't know it at the time, but the very next day is when I found out what kind of role I actually played in it. And then even about six months later, I found out even more information about this particular role that I played in a bad one-year anniversary tomorrow. So we'll get into great detail about that and take you behind the scenes on a lot of that stuff. All right, when we come back, let's talk into a little bit about the Carolina Panthers because, it, I mean, I was on FNZ today, our sister sports station, talking about it. I was on with Bo and Beth this morning. They wanted me to talk about it. So we'll talk about it when we return.
Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Tuesday night. I do have a show tomorrow night. No, obviously I do not. Will not be live on Thursday or Friday, but just want to let you know that we'll be playing the best of Breaking with Brett Jensen. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. I get it. But there will actually be shows in our time slot. As a matter of fact, on the station throughout the day of all of our shows, uh, like the, the greatest hits, if you will, of each show, and mine will be on Thursday and Friday. So if you're interested, stick around. I can tell you that uh, Friday is going to be a lot of my top political interviews that I've done over the last month or two. And so those will be playing on Friday. And then some uh, some interesting other things will be played on Thursday. So just want to give you guys a heads up on that. All right, so Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers. All right, so this morning – on Bo and Beth, they wanted to chat about it. And they wanted to talk about, oh my gosh, can you believe all the callous Cowboy fans that were in attendance? Yeah, actually I can. Ask every other NFL franchise how that works out. Everyone. The three teams, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. Raiders a little bit on the West Coast. There may be a distant, a very, very distant fourth or fifth. But those three teams, Dallas number one, Pittsburgh number two, and then Green Bay number three, their fans travel in droves. Why to Green Bay? Because you can't get a ticket there because they've been sold out for 75 years. And there's like on waiting lists that are like 25 years long. And I'm not even joking to get season tickets. That's an actual thing. And by the way, yes, I am one of the co-owners of the – the Green Bay Packers. That is a very fact. As a matter of fact, I have my stock certificate and was asked to vote on something the other day. But, um, so yes, I am a NFL owner. Just wanted everyone to know that, me and David Tepper. But, uh, but they were, so they were upset about that. I said, no, you have to understand. That's everywhere. And why wouldn't Carolina Panther fans, even if the Carolina Panthers were 5-5 five and five right now, or 6-4, and four, or even 7-3 and three, and in the playoff hunt, they would still sell their tickets at a very high rate. Why? Because with this one game of the Dallas Cowboys, you can pay for half of your season tickets right there with one game, maybe even more. And so the fact that, and this is everywhere in the NFL, this isn't a Carolina thing or an Atlanta thing. Like you will have a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans at Philadelphia Eagle games. It's just the way it is. So that didn't bother me. That's just the norm. That's just the way it is. Pittsburgh and then to a lesser degree, Green Bay. But Dallas and Pittsburgh are the t- by far the top two in the entire NFL. All right, so then they said, well, what about the offense? Yeah, and here's the problem. With each passing week, more and more is coming to light about what some of the issues are. And it seems rather simple. But if you look at the offense, because it feels like Bryce Young is regressing. And Bryce Young is not throwing the ball downfield. He's only averaging like five yards per attempt, which is horrific. It's horrific. Five yards for the mathematically challenged, that's 15 feet. His average pass is going 15 feet. So that's the problem. But it's not just that, but, but here's the things. This is one of the lowest scoring seasons in NFL history. People need to under, well, I should say 
since like 2000 because, you know, when you start going further back when defenses were actually allowed to play defenses, you know, teams didn't score a lot. Touchdowns actually meant something. But when you start looking at things across the board, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, the Raiders, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Titans are all right there with the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are not last in total yards. That's the New York Giants. The Carolina Panthers, look, look, I'm not saying give them a cookie or anything. I'm just like trying to state facts here of what's going on. The Carolina Panthers, in terms of passing, you've got the Cardinals are worse, the Jets are worse, the Steelers are worse, and the Giants are worse in actual passing yardage per game. Rushing yards per game. The Bengals are worse. The Raiders are worse. The Buccaneers are worse than the Carolina Panthers. Now, when you add them all together, yes. Yes. Carolina's near the bottom. What I think happens at the end of the year, everyone talking about Frank Reich being on the hot seat. This is just like Matt Rule after year two. I will be very surprised if Frank Reich is fired at the end of the year. Why? Because he's got four more years to go in that contract, and they're already paying Matt Rule $9 million a year. Or not really total, but, but that was his contract. Don't want to get into the semantics of how Matt Rule playing at, or coaching at Nebraska offsets some of that, but nonetheless. So David Tepper would have to be paying two coaches and two full coaching staffs. Not that he doesn't have it, but what I think happens because this offense is so simplistic and rudimentary, very, very rudimentary, I think they have someone bring in a new offense or new offensive coordinator, either you know, someone from the Dolphins, someone from the Giants, someone from the Eagles, someone from the Lions, whatever. They have to have a new offense, and that may mean that the offensive coordinator is out. Even though it's not – because I don't know whose offense this is. I don't know if this was Frank Reich's offense or someone else's offense. I don't know whose offense this was installed. But whoever's offense installed it is not going to be in charge of the offense next year, whether it's Frank Reich or the offensive coordinator. They have to bring in someone else because everything you hear from NFL experts, former coaches, former players – They talk about how simplistic the Carolina offense is and how teams defensively really don't have to do much to try and figure them out schematic-wise. So that has to be job one. Get a new offense. Yes, you got to get an offensive line. Yes, you have to get wide receivers. Absolutely. Without question. And you have to get the new offense. So the other question is, what will happen with Scott Fitterer? The general manager, will he get to get one more year under his belt, one more draft under his belt? Because this was really his first draft without Matt Rule, because I believe, if I am correct, Matt Rule had final say-so on what players were drafted. How'd that work out for you? Not well, and we're seeing the end results of that right now. Now, let's play... Let's play... Hi, my name's Brett, and I'm Mr. Optimistic. Those of you who know me know that's not the case. I'm a realist. And they say, bro, you always think the glass is half empty. No, I don't. It's not half full, and it's not half empty. You know what it is? It's exactly what it is, 
halfway. That's the way I look at things. Not half empty, not half full, but halfway. Realistic. Expect the worst, hope for the best. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So let's be Mr. Optimism Boy. Let's be rah-rah Carolina Panther cheerleader for a minute. If you look at their upcoming games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, their last seven games, you could actually argue the Carolina Panthers could win three or four of those games. Now, before any of you, like, drive off the road laughing, do you realize their next game is at Tennessee? Now, granted, it's at Tennessee, but it's Tennessee. That horrible offense that we just talked about, all those offenses, Tennessee's one of them. Yes, they have Derrick Henry. You stop Derrick Henry, you're, you're halfway there. You're more than halfway there. You're two-thirds of the way to winning that game. So they could conceivably beat Tennessee. They easily could. Then they got at Tampa Bay. All right, they're probably going to lose that game. Then they're at New Orleans. They're probably going to lose that game. But then they're home to Tampa. They played well week one at Tampa, except for two bad Bryce Young interceptions on the exact same play. They could beat Tampa here. I mean, I mean, excuse me, Atlanta here. What the hell's Atlanta? They're on their backup quarterback. They benched Desmond Ritter. So you could easily, it would not be that big of an upset if the Panthers beat Tennessee or beat Atlanta. One of those teams with the worst offenses in the league right now, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I know what they did yesterday with San Diego, or excuse me, Sunday. That's been an anomaly all year. That's, that's just a fluke. That is not the norm. They're not very good. They have one of the worst offenses in the NFL as well. That's here in Carolina. Wouldn't surprise a lot of people. Yeah, Green Bay may be favored by a point or two, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that Carolina can win that game because Carolina still has a solid defense. So that's three games right there. And then the last game of the year is here against Tampa. We already know Carolina's not going to be playing for a playoff spot. Odds are Tampa's not going to be playing for a playoff spot. So Tampa may play all their backups, and Carolina's probably going to play Bryce Young and everyone else, and they could actually win that game. So maybe, just maybe, there's four wins out of these last seven. That's being super, super, super optimistic. Pessimistic? Yeah, you say, oh, they can't win any of those games. But realistically, they should probably win at least two of those games. Or, or could. They could win three, but I, I think winning two of them is very realistic and very probable just because those teams suck also. Like, they really do. Tennessee sucks. Atlanta sucks. Green Bay sucks. And the end of the season with Tampa Bay, uh, when neither one of them is playing for a playoff spot, okay? So, yes. Carolina Panthers are not good. We all know that. But I would almost think it's somewhat of a moral victory if you don't end up with the worst record in the NFL and could have had the number one overall draft pick. Now, you say that, but do you realize, I honestly believe this, if Andy Dalton were the quarterback right now, they'd probably have one more win, maybe two. Not C.J. Stroud, but Andy Dalton. And you might not have ended up with, you might end up with the 
the fifth or sixth pick anyway with Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback instead of Bryce Young. And that if that happens, well, then you're not getting one of the top two or three quarterbacks anyway, so it doesn't matter. But just from a moral standpoint, you went and got Bryce Young and you don't finish dead last. That's, that's kind of a moral victory. Kind of a moral victory. Because then you wouldn't play, even though you shouldn't because things would have been completely different. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, we should have started Andy Dalton or not started Bryce Young, not traded up, that we could have had this and that would have happened. Like, no, no. So, anyways, the big Carolina Panthers fan can reasonably look at the remaining seven schedules and go, there's a possibility to win four games. An average, middle-of-the-road, realistic Carolina Panthers fan says, yeah, two games are certainly winnable, and maybe three if they're lucky, but definitely two games are winnable. And then the, you know, the guys who think that Carolina will never win and everyone hates Bryce Young and David Tepper and everyone associated with the Panthers, they're going to go, no, they can't win any of these games. So, But realistically, I think two is very possible, very realistic, and maybe even three. All right, when we come back, let's close this sucker out. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock, so we got about six more minutes to go. 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. All right, so... The, a couple things. Uh, I had some people ask about Maggie updates. And if you guys come by Toys for, excuse me, the bike thing and everything, Hancock's Bike for Kids. And it's the 30th annual Hancock Bike for Kids. And you can join in the spirit of giving by, you know, joining Hancock and all of us to donate a new bike for a child in need this Christmas. We're going to be right here on Friday, December 8th. Here at WBT, and all the WBT personalities will be on hand to say hello. That's all of us, including Beth. Um, but it's presented in partnership with WBTV. And again, it's Friday, December 8th from 5 to 9 p.m. And it's sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. And guys, make sure you visit WBT.com for all the details. All right. So, uh, it's, uh, but, it's, but it's good. It's good that this is happening. And last year, I had Maggie out there with me, and this was right in the height of when I thought Maggie may have only had a month or two to go. And we did some magic and different vets, and here we are exactly one year later, and we had another one of our physicals today. Physical therapist did the checkups and everything. She's losing a little bit of muscle in one of her legs. And she's getting a little weak in one of her legs. But everything else seems to be fine, minus the eating. It is still just, it is honestly like pulling teeth. I came home Sunday, and I came home, and there was dog food all over the carpet in the bedroom. Because what she used to eat two weeks ago, she doesn't want any part of now. And I have tried everything. And when I say everything, I've tried every food, which now we have to use special kidney food, but I have tried everything, every way, with water, heating it up in the microwave, trying to make it warm, 
be it wet, canned food, dry food, you name it, I've tried it. I've tried it on dinner plates. I've tried it in cereal bowls, seeing if she didn't, maybe didn't want to eat out of her own food bowl anymore. Like, I've done, it's unbelievable, everything that we've tried with this dog. And basically to force feed her and giving her medicine. And sometimes the medicine works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the medicine will make her eat and sometimes the medicine won't. But for the most part, minus the eating, mags is good. So what does that mean? That means when we have the John Hancock Bike for Kids, the 30th annual, right here at the station on December 8th that uh, Maggie will be in tow, just like she was last year. So I have Maggie outside with me, and it's going to be fun. And I remember being out here last year, and all of us were here, and we were doing a live broadcast out there in the parking lot. And I think Garrison and Winterbull, I think, were the two main people with the microphones. And we would go around and we'd talk from here to there with others. But I think those were the two main people with the mics last year. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be good. It'll absolutely be fun. And, but before then, of course, on Thursday, you know, we've got the whole Thanksgiving thing. And Beth and Bo were giving me a hard time this morning because I wasn't, like, ju- like going out of my skin all excited about Thanksgiving. They were saying, well, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, I'm just... Going to go to my mom's where she lives in her in her center, in a retirement village, and just eat there like nothing extraordinary. And they were like, "Oh, bah humbug!" I was like, "No, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, oh my gosh, you won't believe this! I swear to you, we're actually having turkey! Oh my god! Like, who would have thought we're having turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes? Like, who in the world actually has that on Thanksgiving? You know who we do. I don't know about all you people." That's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. It is the most amazing thing. Like, what am I supposed to say? Okay, it's we go to the same place every single year. We have the exact same meals every single year. The same thing happens pretty much like it does with every single family. Every family is different. Everyone serves different food. But you know what? It's pretty much the same thing every single year. You go there, maybe dreading your sister-in-law or your brother-in-law or your inappropriate uncle or your crazy aunt. Like, whatever. We all have that. So, like, I don't understand why they were like, oh, my gosh. What, like, Beth actually told me after the show today that I hate happiness. That was a direct quote. She goes, you just, you just hate happiness. It's like, no, it's, it's just a, it's, it's fine. I'll be with my mom. We'll have Thanksgiving. I'll get there at 12. I'll be home by 3. Like, I don't, like, what? I don't, I don't understand. It's just the two of us. It's not big family gatherings. I, I don't understand. But they were like, oh, bah humbug. It's like, no, it's, it's just a normal Thanksgiving. Nothing out of the ordinary. We're not shooting off fireworks. We're not doing it out of town. It's just a normal, everyday Thanksgiving. Anyways, so that was this morning. All right, everyone, look. I look forward to doing this all over again tomorrow. I hope you guys will join me. We do have a special show for tomorrow night. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.